I want you to think about a man who comes home from work and he's greeted by his family, okay? He's been at work all day. Um, there, there be, he was at work because there's a job to do. He had work to do. Uh, and now he's home. Uh, let's say that he's a foreman on a construction crew of 12 people. And so it's his job to be there to give direction to these 12 individuals. And some of them turn out to be hardworking individuals. Some of them not so much. So some of them he can entrust with an assignment, go and do this. And others he has to continue to use his boss voice to just get the job done. But now the work's done, at least for the day. And this man is home. He comes home and uh, he kicks off his boots at the back door. And as he comes in, he's greeted by his family. Right? You getting this picture? Same man. He's greeted by his family now. And his kids crawl up into his tired lap and they tell him all about their day, the day that they had. And they, they talk to him and they tell on each other because dad's home now and that kind of thing. And, 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 and the same man who was at work is now home and his kids are, are kind of climbing all over him. And he's wrestling with him. He tells him he loves him and, and he does what, what dads do. Um, and uh, because, you know, the man, as they eat supper together now, he has an opportunity to show, to show his children a completely different side of him. A completely different side of him. The same man who was at work, barking orders, now the same man is home, and he's able to show a completely different side of himself. Lord, we invite you to come in the speaking of your word, and we invite you to come and to speak the words of truth from your scripture to us in such a way that your church will be edified, your people will be filled, and, and mostly so that you would be glorified. So come, Holy Spirit, and, and visit the proclamation of your word here from John 14 in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to continue on with our discussion of uh, being vessels of the Holy Spirit, that in fact we are we're vessels of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about who am I and what am I doing here. Well, we've discovered who we are. We're created in the image of God. And uh, what we're doing here is first to be ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20. And we're also here to be fully transformed, Right? Because, I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to go to heaven this way. I want God to continue to work in me to transform me into the image of his son. And so that's all still going on. And last week we said a third thing that we're doing here is to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit. That we're jars of clay meant to be portable containers of God's presence and his power in the world today. And we're meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit and go about our lives under his direction and pour out his Holy Spirit into the various situations which we find ourselves, and then to return and to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. This is the dynamic of, of the Christian life. And so we talked about that some last week. I want to continue with, uh, with that thought about being vessels of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we're going to ask the same three questions we asked last week. I want to provide some additional answers. And the first question is, who is Holy Spirit? Who is He? And you notice we're trying our best to drop the use of the definite article, the, in saying who is the Holy Spirit, which is how we're inclined, how I'm inclined to think. But since Holy Spirit is a person and not a thing, 
we're working hard just, just to drop the use of the word the and say Holy Spirit. And if that feels awkward to you, it also feels awkward to me, but I think there's life in that. If we can, if we can bring ourselves to, to go about that, at very least for the time being, because Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is the third way of God being God. So if you look at this ancient symbol on the left, this has been used for centuries to try to describe the Trinity. And some of you who were raised in more formal traditions maybe remember spotting something like that on a stained glass window somewhere and you stared out at it. It's it's an amazing uh, visual aid to try to help us understand God as Trinity. In the center, you see there is God. On the top, there is Father. On our left is the Son. On, on the Father's right would be Son. And then, on, and then down to the left is Spirit. And that this, this graphic is meant to tell us that God is all three of these realities. These are three faces of God. In the, in the arm that goes toward each one of them from the center is the word, this is typically written in Latin, but, but is the word for, we'll use English here, okay? Because since you're from the west side. And uh, we'll, we'll in, the, in, the, in the little arms that extend there is the word is. So that the meaning is that God is Father, and the Father is God, and the Son is God, equally God. Holy Spirit also is God. Now in the circle, it would be the Latin word is not. And so, meaning that the Father is not the Son, that the, the Son is not Holy Spirit. And, you know, so, so they have very distinct faces to themselves, and yet they are all God. And this is a way of explaining the Trinity in hopes of finding something in here that it can connect with. Because God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, not three gods, one God, three ways, three faces. Maybe the one on the right may be a little more helpful. There is a tree, all of which is God, and one branch is Father, one branch is Son, one branch is Holy Spirit. One, is, one branch is not any more or less the tree than the other, and yet they are somehow separate branches, aren't they? This is, this is a way to think about uh, of Holy Spirit being, being uh, the third way of God. Now, when we think about a man who comes home from work, and his whole focus while he was a construction foreman is to manage these 12 individuals, right? Some of whom, some of whom did as they were asked, some of them not so much. You couldn't even predict what they were going to do next. That this is, a, this is a man at work, correct? But the man comes home, he doesn't bark orders as his children, he kicks his shoes off, his boots off at the back door, because not only is he a good father, he's a good husband. And he comes inside, and he sits in his chair, because the work is done. And he, he's not the workman anymore, now he's the same man, right? Now he's father, and the children come to him then. Why? Why can the children come? Because the work is done. The work is done. Yeah, the work is done. It's finished. The work is done. And now, now the way of the same man 
is as far as 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 as, as a vessel of love as he grabs hold of those kids. Yeah? Jesus, when he was here, he did the work. He did the work on the cross. He did the work that needed to be done for our redemption. But beloved, the work is done. The work is done. He himself said, it is finished, paid in full. It's done. The work is done. Is your faith in Jesus Christ today? Then the work is done. He did the work for you historically. He died on the cross, shed his blood. Historically, the Bible says, one time for all. Jesus is not still on the cross. Don't buy that lie. He was on the cross. He was taken from the cross, laid in a tomb, third day rose, and then eventually ascended to the Father. Hello? The work's done. Jesus was the workman. Jesus had 12 employees. Some of whom were dependable, some of whom you never knew what they were going to do next. But in any case, he did the work. So now, he said, I'm going away. The work's done. Why would he stay? Why would he stay? He's going, he says, I'm going away. And if I go away, I'm not at work anymore. The boots come off and the arms come open. Hello? That's Holy Spirit. What's Jesus doing? He's still working, but not for your salvation. What did, he, what did we just read? In my Father's house are many what? Mansions, if it weren't so, I go there to do what? To prepare a place for you. <laughs> Jesus made a way for you to get there. Now he's working overtime to make space for all y'all, right? It says, I go there to prepare a place. I want you to understand that the Son is the workman. Holy Spirit says, come on. They're all one God. Look at, look at our text. Chapter 14, verse 7. He's talking to his disciples. Now, their minds are already blown. But he says, I'm leaving. And they're confused. They say, we don't know where you're going. We don't, know, we don't even know where you're going, Lord. How can we know the way? He said, I am the way. Right? If you really knew me, he said, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll, be, you know, that'll just prove it all. Lord, just show us the Father. And Jesus answered, well, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time. Now, we, we probably shouldn't laugh at these guys because we would have been as pathetic, right? Anyone who has seen me, though, has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. It's the Father living in me who is doing his work through me. It's God. It's all one God. Holy Spirit is the third way of God, the, third, the present face of God in the world. Why must I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because that's how you experience the nearness of God. So you don't long just to know about God. You long to know God. In verse 18 of our text, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Well, what's wrong with being an orphan? Orphans are people, aren't they? 
Well, of course they are. What's wrong with being an orphan? The deficiency is that they don't enjoy the love of the Father. And, and, and he said, and he's saying here, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that you're not left as orphans. Well, what does that mean? It means that, that, that the love of God is going to be born to us, is going to be brought to us by the Holy Spirit. The nearness of God is experienced as his love. How do I, some of you are going, I want that. I, I want to experience the love of God. You, you hear us talk about it as though it's so commonplace because it is. We just, we just dwell in the Father's love and some of you are going, I want, I want that. How do I, how do I get into that spot? I'm going to encourage you to do two things. Never, never resist a move of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is moving, don't, don't, do not resist. Don't let your feet talk you out of responding. Don't let your pride or whatever, talk you out of checking it out. When the Holy Spirit is moving, go there. Get into that, right? I mean, how are you ever going to get wet if you don't jump in the water, right? So don't resist. And maybe you say, well, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, you need to be filled again because you ain't showing much of it lately. So come on. Come on. You know, don't, don't resist the move of the Holy Spirit. But the second thing, you can encounter Holy Spirit in your Bible, where you are. You, what a gift. 31,173 verses of God talking to us. Man, what a gift. I want to I give you a, a way of thinking about the Bible that will take you into the experience of the love of God. It's a little stairway to heaven here, but Led Zeppelin had nothing to do with it, okay? You want to encounter the love of the Father in the Word, yes or no? Number one, read it. Read it. Read it. Just read it. Just read it. Just read, just read lots of it. Just keep reading it. You say, I don't understand it. Well, yeah, but you'll never understand it if you don't start reading it, right? Read, just read it. Well, I don't have time. Well, that's ridiculous. Of course you've got the same 168 hours a week as anybody else. Maybe you have to stop watching this show or that show if you want to read more of the Bible, but you have time. All right? Read it. Make it a priority. Read the Bible. Just keep reading it. Okay? The second thing you want to do is you want to study it. There will be portions of the Word to which you are drawn. And you'll go, I like that. That's interesting. It will appear interesting to you. Well, then study that. Study that. What does it mean to study? Well, it means you look for some things, right? The first thing you look for starts with a C. What is that again? Context, right. What is the larger context in which that scripture is set? Because that can mean so much, correct? Who wrote it? Who did they write to? When was this? What was going on in the world then? I mean, what, what was the culture into which this, this, this passage was written? What was going on? What are the circumstances? What are the details? That's how you study and that's how you understand the meaning of the Word of God. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, I do not permit women to speak in the church. They should be silent in the church. That's what it says in the Bible, right? Do you believe the Bible? Hey, women can't speak, darling. You can't even answer that question. You just said you believe the Bible. The Bible says women shouldn't speak in the church. Then what's... Why did a number of women just come up here and grab the mic? Why did I permit that? Mm -hmm. 
Well is right, sister. <laughs> you got to study it. You got to understand there was a context into which Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. He was speaking in a specific context where in that day and age, when the, when the rabbi spoke, and then hence this is the situation, the cultural situation to which the gospel was, was delivered, the rabbi, the rabbi would actually sit and men would stand and the women would be off somewhere else. It was just the men. And so as the rabbi was speaking, and this is what Paul shows up in, he starts speaking to men. Well, the women aren't even being addressed. They're not even being acknowledged. So what are they doing? They're talking to each other, wouldn't you? If the situation were reversed, it would be the men who were, would be talking. And, and, and so the, the, the women were up there talking, and he says, you need to keep silent in the church. If you have questions, you can ask your husbands when you get home. That is the cultural context into which 1 Corinthians 14 is spoken. Is that the cultural context today? No. A lot of you guys that do well to ask your wives what it is we're talking about in this house. Am I right? How, how do you get there? You study it. Never in history has have tools for Bible study been so available. You have more at your disposal online through a few clicks than I had when I was in seminary. Man, you can study it. You don't have to study everything you read. What are you drawn to? Now, once you study it, you can do a third thing. You can meditate on it. Meditate on it. Meditating on Scripture simply causes you to go, I've studied this, Lord. Now, what does this have to do with me? I want to sit still. Would you speak to me? I want to meditate on this word. I want, how does this interface with my life? Psalm 119 is a psalm that's a long psalm, and it's about the word of God. And in one place it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light of my path, right? That your word, our translation now would be the Bible, is a lamp and a light so we can see where we're going. So there's practical, very practical application of the word. But we get there by reading it, studying it, and then meditating on it. Say, God, what, how, does this, how does this fit? And the top step of this thing is you experience the Word of God. You just experience. That's where you invite Holy Spirit to come and go, lay it on me, Lord. Write that on my heart. 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3. Write that on my heart, Lord. Write, would you own me with that, Lord? Would you own me with that word? Yeah, I find it convicting. Would you, do the, would you do the work of owning me? See, when I study Scripture, I never try to master it. I hear people talking about, I mastered this or that. When I study Scripture, I say, master me. Own me. Rewrite the hard drive. Deliver me from this body of death, Lord. Right? And then you begin to encounter Holy Spirit in the Word. And that's when the Word, the Bible, the stuff that you read, starts to get voice. It gets tone of voice. That's pretty amazing. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you haven't. My fear is that in the American church that there's a settling of people who say, well, I go to this teacher, I go to that teacher, this preacher, that preacher, and I find... 
I find satisfaction in their explanation of the word. Now, I think there's value in the word being explained, but don't ever be satisfied with somebody else's explanation of the word. That's an invitation for you then to go in and take it the rest of the way home, to meditate on it and experience Holy Spirit in the word, right? And I think that there's a real satisfaction in the American church going, man, that person can really bring it, man. I'm blessed now. No, you're not done. You just found the door. <laughs> Wait till you come inside. <laughs> I've been talking a lot about water in the rock lately, haven't I? There's water in the rock. How'd I get there? I was reading through my Bible in a year thing. I was only up to the book of Numbers because it was like January. And I'm just, I'm just reading, just like I said, just reading my chapters. And I got to Numbers chapter 20 and I went, whoa. And so I studied it. And I realized what was going on in the desert. And I realized the situation in which Moses found himself. And I studied it. And that brought, that brought a picture to my brain. And then, and then I did the third thing. I meditated on it. And I said, Lord, what does this have to do with me? Here's Moses. He's leading all these Thirsty, murmuring people. What could that possibly have to do with me? <laughs> Meditating out, Holy Spirit just broke through. Are you, are, are you serious? <laughs> you think these people aren't murmuring about you? Now, in the context of all that, all four, I experience Holy Spirit in the Word. So now I can say, with prophetic power, there's water in this rock. There is water in this rock. Now, all of this is happening in advance of how I would even know that thing would need to apply. But there's water in the rock. And the Lord prepared me that in this time of transition, I did not lash out. I did not strike the rock. I just speak to the rock and say, come on, water. Come on, water. Come on, water. Just let the water flow. Well, we must be getting about out of time, right? I just want to tell you, don't settle for somebody else's explanation of the Word when there's a step for you. There's a place for you up on the top there. But you do have to go through it. It's, it's not just going to fall on you most, for the most part. So that last question we like to ask is, what will God do to me if I invite him in to fill me? I, that's, you're going to find out, and it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be good ultimately. But I think the thing that I want to give you for sure from the Bible is that God's going to show you that he loves you. He's going to bear his love into your heart. Romans 5.5, 5, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Because he's home from work. Work's done. So how do I do that? You just jump into his arms. It's a risk. You've got to take a risk. You've got to just jump into his arms. How do I catch the Father's love? By letting him catch you. By quitting with the excuses about why you're not going to. And just jump. Just jump. 
Lord, we invite you now. We invite you to come, Lord. Thank you. We invite you to continue to be here. We invite you here before we woke up, Lord. We thank you for just lifting up the curtain between our world and the kingdom and for just letting the kingdom reality spill into our presence, Lord. Thank you for those who are sensing it in a place that is beyond emotion, Lord. It's beyond intellect, beyond emotion, that there's that place. Thank you, Father. God bless them. Bless those who want that place to awaken, want to, want to encounter you in their image, as image bearers, Lord. You're in there somewhere. I just pray for an awakening today by your Holy Spirit, not by the words of my mouth, but by the action of your Holy Spirit in these hearts, Lord.